Parked Up. Powered by Race Fuels. So here we are for episode number 17, Tony D of Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley and we are back in lockdown, Tony D. Yeah, a lot's happened since last time we spoke. Obviously, Victoria's gone back into lockdown. Now, it's a bit of a different scenario this time because the rest of the country is still operating as they are, as they were, and poor old Victorians are back into lockdown and uh, all the restrictions back in place because we've been naughty boys. <laughs> we are. We're terrible, aren't we? It's uh, it's it's no good, and obviously, uh, it's not helping the Australian motorsport situation. Uh, just in. In our world, with the Australian Racing Group and TCR Australia, the first round of that series is is going to be pushed back. So uh, that that makes things difficult. Great that Supercars is still going ahead for its second round, but but still lots of restrictions. And our parked up um, little uh, title r- remains pretty safe at the moment. Yeah, we were getting back into racing, and we thought, well, do we need to change our name from parked up to going racing or something like that? But it's relevant again, Grant. We're, we're all parked up for another six weeks. And yeah, uh, TCR and ARG have postponed the first round of the championship at Sydney Motorsport Park, throwing it down the road to September 4 to 6, which is a, you know, a bit of a shame. It, it feels like a long way away. And when I think September, October, I think, geez, that's almost near the end of the year and we've barely done any racing. So a little bit hard to take, but uh, trying to remain positive in, in some some way so we can uh, you know make sure that when we get racing we're all prepared the best we can and uh, just do the best job we can so grant i've been doing a little bit of online racing yes. we were at bathurst last week yep yeah you were you yep. were you didn't did go pretty any good, good as well nah, i didn't go any good no had you some were... good battles though yeah real racy real real racy yeah had an awesome battle with ben barguana yeah they're not that was not a bad battle it was sort of like uh I wasn't racing like myself, you know, I was just having a big old crack and I thought I don't really care if uh, I have an accident because I don't have to pay for it, perfect. And is that why you uh, copped a, a whole bunch of penalties? I only got one penalty and I'm, I'm getting them to review it because I don't believe it's right. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, the online racing is still a thing for TCR Australia, but there is some real racing happening. Of course, the uh, third round of the Supercars Championship is on at City Motorsport Park. This weekend, they're racing under lights, and for this episode, we thought we need to talk to a supercars driver, mm-hmm. and who better to talk to? That who, is exciting. Who better to talk to than the GOAT, the main man, the best in the business, Jamie Winkup. He's won everything, and we thought, well, if we can't get people to come and listen to our uh, little parked-up podcast with Jamie on the show, then they're never going to come <laughs> and listen. No chance. We're also going to talk to another GOAT. Yep. Daniel Kalish. So he is the best photographer that we have in Australian motorsport. There is a lot of good photographers and please, I'm not, I don't mean to offend all the other photographers who sweat and toil and do those jobs of going into, you know, far corners of racetracks that you never like to go to. Uh, in I the hot they, and cold and oh, rain and the, snow and ice. It's just the worst. Yep. It, it looks like one of the worst ways to spend time at a racetrack. Yep. Um, but Daniel is definitely very good at his craft and he's won a lot of awards thanks to his uh, excellent photography. Uh, and we're going to catch up with him. He's based in South Australia and, uh, and just 
a uh, absolute ripper dude as well. So um, we'll grab him for a chat. And we're also going to uh, revive our segment, Tony, where we speak to them before they were famous. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we've got young Bradley Maiman, yep. who uh, is a young Carter, and we'll grab him a little bit later on. So all that and a heap more, Tony D. And we've uh, we before we bowl into some news... I thought I'd just bring up something from last week. So in last week's episode of Parked Up, we spoke to Bryony Ingerson, yep. who is part of the Supercars broadcast. Uh, she does a, some of their pit reporting. She also does uh, some of their live social media, Facebook stuff. Uh, great chick, really good chat. Go back and have a listen to last week's uh, episode because uh, she's a ripper. But she did pull out this little gem for us, Tony D. Actually, Tony, on rumour, I did hear that you won most likely to be famous in year 12. <laughs> Do you think you've achieved that goal? I think probably maybe <laughs> my school I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Very, very funny. Very what have funny. you got for us here, But Grant? I've got, I've, d- I've done some research and okay. uh, found out a little bit about some lads that you went to school with. So what year did you graduate? I think 2003 or four. Okay, and so you went to Billanook College yeah. here in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Very prestigious. Yeah, private prestigious. school didn't get me far. Uh, <laughs> only just based around a corner from where you were living at the time yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely, like probably 300 metres from you home. You wouldn't have even had to like ride a bike to no, get there. I just walked. There you go. Yep. Okay, so did you know, do you know a fella called Paul Sanderson? Yeah, absolutely. So Sando. He is oh, okay. regarded yeah, as the best server in world volleyball. Okay. He, 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 he was at some time regarded as the best server in world volleyball. Also, Luke Reynolds. Yeah. So he's the assistant coach of the Australian national men's volleyball team. What is it about? What was it about your school and volleyball? Yeah, we had a heap of guys and girls that were right into it. And it was like a little academy. We'd play it all the time. And we, we ended up just having a whole group that really excelled in it. Another one that you haven't mentioned, which I reckon is the bloke that's stitching me up here, is James Fleming. You, am I right? I've ne- who, James who? Yeah, he was amazing. I was terrible because I got no height on my side. Mm, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have, you would have been a good cheerleader for the volleyball team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the, a couple of really good volleyball. Now, I know volleyball is not exactly the um, big mainstream sport, but they do go to the Olympics, and like one of these guys became the assistant coach. So, yes. uh, so you reckon they're more famous? No, I'm not saying they're oh, more famous. You know famous. what I reckon we should do to settle There's this? One, one more guy, one more okay. guy. Oliver Speedle? Yeah. Okay, so he won the Magic Millions Poker Tournament <laughs> at Crown. <laughs> So again, not not massively high profile, but he's probably got a lot more cash uh, cash in the bank. Look, I'm just going to go on Instagram now and see if I can find these people to see. Yeah, see who actually has the most. Um, I'm going to look at Paul Sanderson, professional volleyball player, Australian national team, champion of Belgium, Indonesia, and Romania. That's that's pretty cool. All right, that's pretty cool. Credentials are right up there. 3,959 followers. Okay. So bum, you've, bum. you've got him there. You've got him there. So so at the moment, you are the winner. And Luke Reynolds, the assistant coach for the Australian national men's volleyball team, 
has 1,684 Sorry, um, sorry, coach, but uh, like I've almost got as many. Um, <laughs> he's got a great beard going on. I must admit, he's done well there. Okay, so you do you do win that. Even if we add those two together, they're not going to come anywhere near your. What are you at? Four thousand. Almost, almost twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. Yeah, you'll be it's, Since we've started this parked up podcast. It's gone down, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've still got more than me, slightly less than Kim Kardashian, but no stress. One day, one day, you might hit so the bugger Instagram you, James. heights. Bugger you. Hey, James who? I'm, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, we've torn that up. It's time for some news. So the news at the moment is that race cars are going around. We've had the second round of the Formula One world title. Another race at the Red Bull Ring and another win for Mercedes. This time for Lewis Hamilton. Some good points for Daniel Ricciardo, our good Australian. But for me, Lando Norris, who continues to emerge as the next best thing in the sport. He's third in the points now. Tony, did you watch the race and what were your thoughts? Uh, I haven't watched the race just yet, but I've seen some of the highlights. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Lando is doing an amazing job in the races. Made a bit of a rookie error, though, in practice, passing cars under yellow and ended up getting a five-place grid penalty. So did a very good job getting back through the field. We saw him again at the end of the race chasing down the cars in front with his team telling him to turn the engine up and him setting you know, blistering lap times right near the end of the race. So that was right, really exciting. Uh, even the, the first race last week when they were doing that and he was trying to close the gap to Lewis, I thought that was super impressive. We saw a lot of wet weather, and for me, uh, to see Lewis Hamilton on pole position in those conditions just shows everybody how good the guy is. The moment that you start doubting Lewis Hamilton, and you should never because he's six or seven-time world champion, he's, you know, but everyone still has this theory that he, he's just got the best car and that's why he wins races, and sure, that, that plays a big role. But going into these wet conditions and super wet, You'd always expect someone like Max Verstappen or some of these guys that are meant to be wet gurus to get the pole position, but he got it by 1.2 seconds yeah, over massive. Max. Massive. So that just shows how talented the guy is uh, and a really good bounce back from last week, not having an amazing race. And I was watching some of the coverage there and they're saying Monday morning he was back at the track in debriefing with his engineers trying to work out how he's going to go better. He admitted that he you know, probably wasn't on the ball as much as he should have been for that first round back. But to bounce back like that, super impressive. Yep, he's, he's good. And uh, not leading the world title, of course, his teammate is. But uh, a long way to go. The championship won't be as long as what we're mm. typically used to. But you can only imagine that world title number seven is Lewis's for the taking if everything goes right. I think, uh, you know, Bottas is going to be his main competition this year. The, the car's obviously clearly better than the rest. But the thing with Bottas is very difficult to put a whole year together. That might play into his advantage this year being a reduced year and a reduced calendar. But that's what Lewis seems to do very, very well. He seems to be able to, you know, stay focused and on the money for the entire season, string the whole year together better than anybody else. So on their day, you know, Bottas can out-qualify Lewis, but Lewis does it weekend after weekend. So that's going to be his main uh, title rival. And I think, you know, with the reduced rounds, Lewis has got to do a big job getting ahead of him now. Well, in news closer to home, the Australian Racing Group 
and Motorsport Australia announced that uh, the calendar will change because of the situation that we have here in Victoria with more lockdowns, uh, the numbers that we see every day with more COVID cases mm. uh, keep spiralling upwards. Um, they're obviously doing a lot of testing, but to shut it down, they have shut us down and yep. uh, the state borders are locked and we're, we're trapped in here. It's a bit of a kick in the teeth, to be honest, because we thought we were getting closer to that first round back for TCR. For me personally and i was really looking forward to that i had a test day coming up uh, with wall racing things were starting to get going and uh, now all that's been squashed and we don't know when we're going to test because i can't get to new south wales right now and, and they can't come here either yeah be trapped here yep so uh yeah i feel like i'm doing everything i can to prepare myself but then i've got guys in the same category testing at sydney motorsport park almost every weekend so that's a bit of a challenge and I think uh, last week we saw three or four TCR cars testing at Sydney Motorsport Park. Yep, and one of those was Will Brown. He got a chance to test his Hyundai. First time he's been in the Hyundai, reigning TCR Australia champion. And uh, I grabbed him for a very quick chat to see what it was like inside his i30N. Yeah, it was bloody awesome, actually. Haven't like I've been out of the car since AGP, so... Uh, four months and uh, I was wondering if I could still drive actually to be honest but uh, just bloody awesome to get back in it and uh, you know the car was awesome HMO have done a lot of work over the break and uh, you know our times are looking pretty flash I reckon so uh, you know we got that uh, Rob on board who's now my engineer who was who was working for Hyundai and uh, yeah definitely over the break he's worked hard and, and we've done a few changes to the car which has seemed to be really good. And it was great to hear from Will. Obviously enjoyed being back in the car, but one little known fact, Tony, was that Will has actually uh, injured his hand recently uh, in a bit of a in a bit of a fall. Um, he promised us there was no booze or no misbehaviour. <laughs> uh, complete bit of a freak accident. Um, and uh, he posted a photo yeah. just recently on Instagram. I saw with, that um, with a uh, cast on his hand. So I asked him about that as well. Yeah, it was, it was probably the best time it could happen during coronavirus because no racing and that. Uh, I hindered my training a little bit, but uh, yeah, I did my arm and my foot, tripped down some stairs at, uh, yeah, at, uh, with, with a few of my mates and uh, yeah, broke, broke my arm and uh, did my foot as well. No, it actually wasn't too bad. I attacked my wrist up. It's four weeks post, you know, four weeks recovery so far. They say four to six. Um, so, you know, full, full range of movements, probably not there, but now I'm feeling good and uh, didn't even notice it in the car, so ready to rumble. So there you go. He says that it didn't uh, affect him in the car. It still hurts a little bit. He also damaged his leg as well, but it couldn't have come at a better time. So I lucky, so lucky to have uh, a little bit of a break at the moment and, you know, so he can recover. I saw that post on Instagram. I didn't know whether I just absolutely missed something. Uh, but, yeah, I noticed that he, he had uh, a cast on his hand and he was, you know, obviously uh, trying to recover in some some way. So, very, very lucky boy, but it would have been interesting to see how it held up in the car. And uh, he's got Super 2 coming up this weekend as well. Yep, cool. And uh, we wish him all the best for that. Of course, Supercars and Super 2 and Super 3, the old uh, Kumo V8 series combining with Super 2. And they've got over 20 cars. So that's mm-hmm. uh, going to be even more on track action for uh, us Victorians to sit on our couches in lockdown and watch. Oh, I'm going to watch every moment of it, that is for sure. You beauty. Now, one bloke who'll definitely be watching, he'll be part of it, is Jamie Winkup. He is the GOAT, seven times Supercars champion, 
four times Bathurst 1000 winner, a trophy cabinet that you can see from the moon. Uh, he's the greatest of all time. And Tony, we're going to get him on the phone. Here we go. Are you ready for this? I'm you, ready. Can you talk to the, you're okay to I'm talk to nervous. the coach? I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit nervous. Let's get Jamie on the phone. And it's great to welcome Jamie Winkup to the Parked Up podcast, the greatest of all time. Jamie, how are you? And thanks for joining us on Parked Up. Yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me part of the show. Looking looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, mate, it's been a, uh, a roller coaster few months with uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19 uh, ruling, ruling the world, and unfortunate thing. It's great that supercars has got on track, though. Just tell us a little bit about how your last three months has gone. Oh, you're right. It's been a massive change. The whole world has taken a, a bit of a uh, turn turn upside down. Um, well, there's a lot of heartache and a lot of pain being shed by a lot of people, which we have utmost respect for. At the same time, there's, there is some good. There, there will be some good. We may not see it right now, but I think if we look back in three years' time, I think uh, there'll be some factors of that the, the world having a reset um, has actually been a good thing, and hopefully that's the case for our beloved motorsport. Um, for me, it, well, it's, it's been chalk and cheese. I've I've, uh, I've I've enjoyed the break in in some regard, but in another regard, I've realised how much I love motorsport and uh, how much I want to how much I love the simple fact of getting on track and can't wait to get back there. Yeah, and I guess the great thing is that Supercars has got on track really, really fast as well. Uh, just give us a little insight into what you thought that first Sydney event was like coming back. Uh, look, obviously three podiums, so on track it was all going okay, but off track it was it was a different world. Yeah, I thought I thought Supercars had done a good job. I'm uh, I'm the first to criticise Supercars when I don't think they're performing as well as they should but in this case I think they've done a great job that the amount of work going on behind the scenes making you know getting getting as you say getting getting back to the track um, being able to um, to continue our sport has been fantastic and then more recently the dedication that the Victorian based teams and personnel have, have uh, the sacrifices they've made for us to all to enjoy enjoy the sport has been phenomenal and we've got the utmost respect for them um as far as what i thought of the i say round one first round back of yeah. racing i i thought it was excellent you know i thought the the formats were great i thought the racing was was entertaining and yeah i i, I think the decisions that have been made internally at supercars were were the right ones and you know, I, I feel we're in a bit. We will be in a better place for um, for all that hard work. You know, in a few years down the track. Yeah, it certainly looked good. It was uh, great from the TV. Of course, uh, being a Victorian down here, uh, the only chance we had to watch was uh, via the via the TVs. The broadcast was great. The entertainment was was fabulous, and uh, and and we love it a lot. Like we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the racing soon. But uh, let me just uh, let me just run this uh, this little thing by you at the at the moment when we when we hear Jamie Winkup pop up in the news, um, rightly or wrongly. Uh, the word retirement keeps getting brought up. So I thought I'd just tick this one off nice and early. You've achieved everything in yeah. the sport, seven titles, four Bathurst 1000 wins, a million other race victories. The only thing that is left to tick in the sport 
for you is that retirement. Do, do you think that, that is one of the reasons why that subject of retirement just keeps getting broached? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why uh, why that the question keeps getting asked. But um, thankfully for my career, I'm not out there trying to tick boxes and and, and achieve goals. Um, it's, therefore, as you say, it's probably I probably ticked the I probably would have ticked the retirement box a couple of years ago. Um, I love the sport. No, I love my job. I, actually, my my life in general is uh, is is unbelievably good and one I'm very very grateful for and. I'll keep, I'll keep competing as long as I'm the most competitive person for to you know to drive the 88 car, and you know as long as as long as I, I enjoy it and I'm loving my racing more than anything. Um, I definitely won't go too far. Like I, I, I won't be holding up a seat. The the day I'm not competitive enough, or the day I think I'm not the best person for the job, for to represent. Uh, you know all that all that personnel at Triple Eight. Um, it's the day I'll finish up. It's, it's not right now. I don't know when it will be. Uh, I just had my 500th race not long ago, and I felt like that was a bit of a preview to my 60th birthday. If that makes sense, it's sort of <laughs> it's sort of it's a big number, and yeah, let's celebrate it. But Jesus, you know, I'm not far from the end. I'm no spring chicken anymore, but I, I've sort of achieved something. But I still still got more to give. It's, as I say, I reckon I've had a preview of uh, of, a, of a birthday when you when you get older. But um, my, on top of everything, I'm, I'm bloody loving my, my motorsport. I feel like I'm as competitive as ever. So um, looking forward to this week. Jamie, it's TD, mate. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We know you're a busy boy. Now, just to touch on what Grant was talking about then, it must get a little bit annoying when uh, journos especially, and I class Grant as a journo, just keep going on about this retirement. Not, not anymore. I wanted to tick it off straight away. Look, uh, for me personally, uh, you know, being a race driver myself, uh, you've achieved so much in your career, but to actually keep turning up weekend after weekend uh, and being super motivated you know i think that's one thing that everyone finds really impressive because you've got you know no more boxes to tick as we keep saying or no one to uh none of those no more trophies to actually get so what does keep you motivated and focused it's yeah thanks td it's just the it's the simple side of the sport you know what it's like every every if you analyze it in depth every lap's different every race is different it, you when you think you've on top of something and know it all, then another curveball comes around mm. the corner and you're trying to deal with something that you've never experienced before. So, you know, look at Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend, for example. Um, you just don't know what to expect. You don't, yep. you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be competitive, who's going to do what. The weather always is a massive factor. We've got different tyres this weekend. We've got two sets of soft, three sets of hards. What's everyone going to do strategy-wise? Just all those simple things, mate. That, mm. That's what motivates me. I, I, I just, I just love getting to the track. I, I love the fact that supercars. There's no sporting parity. It's just all about. Uh, but there's technical parity. Of course, we're trying to make the cars as even as possible. But there's no sporting parity. If you do a, a better job than anybody else, then you're going to stand on the top step of the podium with your team at the end of the end of the weekend. So. It's it's that, it's all the simple things I love that um, that that really never get hasn't got bored for me since I started uh, racing a go kart in the outskirts of Melbourne when I was seven and still the same now I'm I'm thirty seven. <laughs> 
and, and you've got a lot of business interests outside of motorsport. I mean, one of those interests is obviously being a stakeholder in, in Triple Eight. Um, I've had my own family run team. How, how involved are you in the day-to-day running of Triple Eight, or is it purely just sort of sitting on the board and, and advising? Oh, it's there's a bit of a transition period going on. Uh, of course, RD's the man. He's mm. uh, he's got his heart and soul into T8 and and the sport in general, and he's uh, he's he's the one sitting in the the uh, on the main desk in the middle of um, in the middle of T8 running the show day to day. Um, and then there's some really good people underneath him. There's Mark Dutton um, as team manager, Jeremy Moore as technical director. So there's there's a really uh, established bunch there. I'm 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 a pr- I'm proud to be on the board of Triple Eight, and I'm in a big 24 month learning process on how the team operates, how the sports run. Mm. So one day, one then there might be one day when RD doesn't want to be in at the workshop all day every day uh, running the show. And if that is the case, then uh, then I'd love to form some part of that role along with a few other people to uh to keep the legacy of triple eight continuing uh, well into the future and does, do you find that it's uh, any distraction to your driving or preparation to uh getting ready for for events because you know you've got a really fierce teammate in shane van gisbergen who lives and breathes just going car racing and you've got all these other things sort of uh detracting from your focus but it doesn't seem to show up on the racetrack do you have to focus a little bit more you know, leading into an event? Yeah, I've, I've got to work really hard at it. Um, it, it can easily distract you and mm. you can easily um, be thinking, thinking like for an example, on track, you can be thinking how much that front splitter costs to, <laughs> uh, costs to replace and then the work involved and, and everything like that. So on one part, you've just got to put that out of your head. You, you can't be the the um the, the team manager when you're when you're at the track mm. um i've got a job to do it's one of the it's one of the most difficult jobs uh, within the team and that's to showcase um how good that 88 car is and as you say you hit the nail on the head svg so he's no slow coach he's <laughs> one of the most fierce rivals out there and if i'm not careful i'll, I'll get made look very ordinary very very quickly so um i've got to work bloody hard to make sure i'm on my a game week in week out I'm not sure about that. You're second in the championship at the moment, so you must be doing something right, mate. Now, you're on the Supercars Commission as well. Uh, it's a bit of a thankless task, especially in the current environment. Can you give us a bit of insight into that as well? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, it's a little bit little bit misunderstood, and I've had a few interviews over the last few weeks that, um, that haven't really um, come across the wrong way a little bit. My, my, my own doing didn't, didn't explain it well enough, but I'm part of a team there of, of really ca- um, capable and intelligent people. And we, we all work together to try to improve the sport first and foremost, you know, and um, we, we've all got our own caps. So I've got my driving cap and I've got my T8 cap and everything like that. But you've really got to, you've really got to leave them outside of the room and all work together on making sure that we've got the most successful sport um, in the country for, for for a long time to come. So I've, I've um, I feel the responsibility. I, I I don't I don't I'm not there as a T, a Triple Eight representative. I'm there because the team the teams have voted me in to represent the teams. So um, I've I've got a responsibility not just to sit there and take up a space and give a bit of input here and there. I I want to I want to actually make a difference and work with the work with the 
with the crew there to to make some. We're in we're in a part of our we're in a part of the world at the moment where if if you don't adapt and you don't make change, you, you just get run over and left behind. So it's really important that we we we, we you know our productivity is really high at the moment, and we um we we're not scared to make some changes, make them happen as quick as possible, and just keep uh, keep this big um, supercar thing rolling and uh, and get better over time. There's been a Jamie. There's been a long-held sort of idea that for the the sport to maybe move to another level or or take a different path, with the the teams wouldn't actually be making those sort of calls, and that you know the commission may not look like like it does now. Uh, I don't know. Is that uh, do you do you believe the long-term future is the current form where? guys like yourself and other team owners are in there making or, or suggesting, you know, the future direction of, of the category? Do you, do you believe that that is the, the, the right way to go short and long term? I think it's a, I think it's an important element to listen to the teams uh, along with the, the commercial side of the business as well and pull all the ideas together and have quite a good dictator to, um, to make the decision at the end of the day. So because the sport is so technical and so involved, hey, most businesses in the country just have a board of directors and that's all you need. But the, the fact that the, the category is so technical and the board of directors might not exactly know how many teeth the wheel nuts need to hold in the locking mechanism, you know, um, they, you know we've, we've got a group of people called, you know, called the commission that, um, that help the board make decisions on the technical side of the sport. Um, hey, I would have loved. I, I'd, I'd love the fact that the teams owned more of supercars, um, which they originally did. I'm all for. I'm all for selling when the um, when the market's high, and buying when the market's low. I think. Uh, I think the teams sold out at the right time, but I think it's time for them to uh, to buy back in, own own a greater percentage of supercars, and therefore. Um, have a big part in um, in, in the way that the sport moves forward. And, and how quickly do you think you'd like to see that happen? Is that a uh, you know something in the next twelve months that you hope? Oh, I'd I'd, lo- I'd love it to happen tomorrow, but um, <laughs> there's no teams out there with uh, a heap of cash sitting in the sitting in their back pocket to um, you know to, to buy back the, the shareholdings. So um, that's going to happen. That's going to happen quite strategically over a little bit of time. Um, and for, hey, fingers crossed, it can happen in the future, but um, it may go the other way. So um, we'll, we'll 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 see what see what see what uh, plays out in the next few years. So uh, so you've had this uh, experience on the commission and and seeing what uh, life as RD might uh, look like on on that side of the fence, and you're also getting to see uh, a little bit in that uh, team ownership role as well. If you had if you had your choice moving forward, do you want to be a team owner in the game, uh, you know, into the future, or or do you could you see yourself, you know, even just running the sport, not not necessarily being involved in the team? Well, I first and foremost, I love competing. I've got this. Uh, I just love competition. I love going out there and trying to um, compete with everyone and get in this case get to the finish line first. So I think it would be important for me to to still be competing. And that doesn't necessarily mean with a helmet on inside a 300 kilometer hour rocket uh, hooking around the track, um, being in, in team land, being on the other side of the fence uh, is still competing and still from, 
from what I've uh, been told with other athletes around, not just in motorsport, but all over the world, and from what I've read, um, they still get a massive buzz, buzz out of uh, the coaching or being involved in um, in team ownership. So I'm looking forward to that competition as uh, being part of a team. Um, and, hey, I'd love to just keep working on my knowledge of the sport that I've generated in the last, uh, you know, 30 years, basically, to um, to help out the sport where it, where it can. All right, let's talk about uh, Sydney this weekend. Back to Sydney Motorsport Park for the second weekend in a row. What uh, obviously had a very good weekend. McLaughlin uh, come out of the blocks pretty quick, continue his form from Adelaide. Uh, have you got anything extra to challenge McLaughlin and maybe take a few points off him this weekend? <laughs> we certainly hope so. <laughs> the yeah, he was he was quick, and of course they're all, they're always going to be quick. Um, that um, DJ team Penske are excellent operation and, and do a great job. As I, there's no silver bullets in mm. this game, as we know. I've been trying to look for a silver bullet for <laughs> my whole career. It doesn't exist. There's, there's a lot of small things, and no, we've recognised quite a few things we could have done done better uh, a few weeks ago, and we'll put them into place this weekend and see what we got. As I said, a lot of it comes down to the the strategy and the conditions on the day, and uh, the tyre strategy is going to be completely different. And from what I hear, that the weather's going to be a fair bit different to what it was a few weeks ago as well. So we'll go out there and compete and do, do the, put our best foot forward and hopefully it's a better result than last time. And we're adding in uh, this weekend racing at night. Uh, how did you enjoy that last time at Sydney Motorsport Park? I thought it was great. I, I love night racing. Looks good. I think it works. Yeah, it looks, looks – the cars feel fast. Yeah, you're, mm. you're inside the car and, yeah, you're seeing glowing discs and – the flames and all sorts of stuff going on, which is great. But you, you honestly, you're going down the straight, feeling like you're going, you know, 50 kilometres, kilometres faster than what you do in the in the uh, in the in the daytime. So I love the I love the the concept. I also like it from a spectator point of view as well. Like I ask, I talk to all my friends, and they can't quite justify a full day at at the racetrack. They, yeah. They've got kids. They got they got they got work. Uh, so they're quite busy during the day, but. The concept of coming out of the track and having a few cans on the hill, watching some cars go around and run into each other, is fantastic, you know. So, I've, uh, I'm a big advocate of, of night racing and pushing our sport a little bit more into uh, into the night. Yeah, it's a little bit like uh, Speedway in many ways, and what they try and do shorten yeah. up their events. I remember yeah. chatting with Scotty and Fabs after their first session at night last last year or the year before, uh, and they were the same. It just felt so fast for them, and they were saying they were literally out of breath um, trying to uh, come up to speed with it so quickly. So is the track lit up really well? I mean, we raced in Abu Dhabi many years ago, and it was like you were basically racing in the day. Um, yeah. But it looks a lot darker, and sometimes the TV doesn't really do it justice. Yeah, for sure. It is It is a, quite a fair bit darker, um, especially, and our headlights are terrible. They're yeah. full of signage. <laughs> the, the commercial team just sell the headlights and no consideration for what to see out the front. But um, in saying that, though, it's good not having headlights as far as the telecast goes. You don't want to you don't want to turn the telecast on and just see bright lights going mm. around the, around the track. So we're actually pushing really hard for any bright lights to get dulled down so you can still see the cars for the telecast. Yeah. Okay. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I, I think it's. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a good thing to. We probably. I think they will light the track up a little bit more this uh, this year as opposed to to eighteen. 
but I think it's I think it's lit enough. I, I, I think it's cool. I mean, driving at the twelve hour, for instance, in the in the GT race there at night time or in the morning, sorry, when you got the opening stint. Have you done that before? Opening I haven't stint? done that. No. Oh, okay. Well, no, I've it, always I've always had a Euro that's done a heap of miles in the in the dark, so I put him in. Yeah, well, it's quite tricky because you've got people with uh, their headlights on behind you and you can't see whether they're actually having a go at you or not. Um, do you have yeah. those sort of things in the night race or, or is it the vision reasonably good? Um, you're right. With uh, with some cars with really bright headlights, it did. It was quite difficult. But um, all in all, all in all, I thought it was fine. I thought, like, um, we did a really good job of lighting up all the buttons inside the car and um, it's, it's another element. It's another challenge. I think the, probably the biggest challenge is you can't actually see um, any water on the circuit or, or, or if there's oil or, or anything like that. You can't actually differentiate some substance on the track compared to if, if it was dry. So I'm, if, hey, if it's wet this Saturday night, which it well and truly could be, I think it's predicted, that's going to be tough to be able to see the, the, the difference between the wet and dry track. I think it's going to throw another element in. Uh, and Jamie, finally, we we always see teams running fancy lights or uh, you know little glowy things underneath the cars or uh, any you know things like that. Does that does Triple yeah. Eight have anything exciting uh, in store for us for Sydney, or are you just concentrating on making cars go fast? Sorry, mate, that's too much weight putting an extra light on, so <laughs> it's it's not on there. Any any nothing but anything in the car that's not needed, it's uh, it's in the bin. Well, terrific. Well, we can't. We we look forward to it. It's great that supercars are back on track again, even though we're at the same place. So I guess it just does not matter. And the night race is going to add a uh, that extra bit of excitement to it. Uh, Jamie Winkup, the greatest of all time. Thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. No, thank you, boys. Good uh, good job. Thanks thanks for the work you do. And um, fingers crossed, we get plenty of people tuning in this weekend to check it out. And that was Jamie Winkup. He is, uh, he's the greatest. He's uh, very methodical. He's very uh, regimented, but most of all, super, super competitive. Yeah, and as I mentioned in the chat there, he's able to stay focused and motivated even though he's been at the top of his game for so long. And, uh, you know, as he said, he's just a competitive guy. So no matter what he's doing, whether he's driving or running a team or running the category, I think he'll get a sense of enjoyment out of that competition side of things. So he's a busy boy, that is that is uh, without a doubt. So while all these other drivers just focus on car racing, he's got uh, his head in business land as well. And I think he does a very good job of sort of sectioning off the two to go racing and then put his other hat back on when he's... Uh, you know, either on the commission or on the board at Triple Eight or running his car wash as well. Like yep. he's got so much going on. Yeah, no, good, great guy, great guy, and and he deserves all of the success and uh, a, a great ambassador for Australian motorsport. He just loves motor racing mm. as well. It's one of the things that he that he led off with about you know how disappointed he was that car racing had stopped mm. and that, that um, the COVID situation had made him realise how, how much, much he loved, loved it. Yeah. Another guy who loves the sport a lot, so much, is Daniel Kalish. Now, uh, maybe not quite as famous as Jamie Winkup, but famous in, in our eyes. Famous in our <laughs> eyes. This guy is 
the best photographer that we have in Australian motorsport. Yep. Again, let me preface this, big asterisk. I love all of the photographers that we have in Australia. But for me, Daniel... Mate, don't be Switzerland. Come on. <laughs> Daniel is the, uh, he's the best. He's uh, extremely good at his craft. A fantastic worker, really, really easy to, to deal with. Just gets the job done. Mm. He's got such a creative eye. And uh, he is, for me, the goat of uh, Australian motorsport photography. Without a doubt. Let's get him on. Here we go. Daniel Kalish, live from South Australia. And it is our absolute pleasure to welcome one of the greatest human beings that graces the paddocks of Australian motorsport tracks. His name is Daniel Kalish. He is an award-winning photographer and takes lots and lots of great photos of race cars all around the country. (laughs) Daniel, thanks for joining us on Parked Up. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much for having me on um, Parked Up. And um, I don't really think that I'm the greatest... Um, but anyway, that's um, very kind to hear those words and appreciate um, you getting me on the show, guys. This Thank is you. this is the GOAT episode of uh, of Parked Up. We only speak to the greatest and uh, we consider you that. Oh, dear. So, so, Daniel, um, a real tough time for, for the world, a tough time for motorsport, uh, hard to hold events when um, a, a health pandemic is ruling the world. So just... Tell us a little bit about your past three or four months and uh, your COVID story. Well, absolutely, yeah. It's, um, I guess, tough times for everybody, drivers, media, team personnel, what have you. We're all, I guess, not working. We're not doing the things or the thing that we love to do that, you know, that makes you get out of bed in the morning, which is um, being involved with motorsport. And I guess we're very privileged to, to, to have jobs in an area in which, you know, I guess from my point of view, I don't call a job. Um, but I just miss going racing and picking up my camera and pointing it at, I guess, a fast object. Um, uh, The last sort of three or so months have been good because I've been able to spend a lot of time with uh, my two boys and my wife, who's um, working from home as well. So that's, I guess, a good good thing. Um, So it's it's been really good, but being tough, being a full-time dad, I guess, when you're not quite used to it, you're used to being on the road for, you know, 30, 35 weekends, um, a year, but um, I have really enjoyed it. But I've, I've got itchy fingers, itchy trigger fingers for the camera, itchy feet. I need to go back to work, um, as we all, I'm sure we all do. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I guess doing lots of um, home gym, you know, exercise, trying to get the rig back in order. Because uh, also thanks to COVID, one's probably had one or two many uh, red wines and uh, and brewskis. Um, because every day feels like a Saturday. Um but um, yeah, so it's it's been good, but um, pretty keen to get back to it, guys. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're living that. Your your COVID story sounds very similar to my COVID story. So the second round of the Supercars Championship is on at Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend. For the first round, we only saw one photographer there. That was Mark Horsburgh, who is the Supercars official photographer. Daniel, will I know I won't be up there. I'm not allowed to be up there. I'm uh, trapped down here in lockdown in filthy Victoria. But um, you're from South Australia. Is there a South chance Australia, that... zero cases, my boy. Zero cases. <laughs> is there a chance that you'll be in Sydney this weekend? Uh, to be honest, I'm not really sure. We haven't had any official confirmation either way from Supergazers yet, so I guess we need to just wait and see. And if it's a green light, great, um, because we're all itching to get back. I'm, I'm, I'm busting. But if it's um, a red light, 
um, then I guess we'll just have to wait um, for the next round in Darwin and hopefully um, everything's good to go. Um, I guess we all respect um, these decisions that supercars make um, at this tough time as much as we want to go back to work. But uh, obviously safety is the most important thing at the moment for, for everybody. Daniel, it's TD, mate. It's really good to have you on our show. I'm sure that you've been listening to the last 15 episodes. Would that be right? Absolutely no. This would be okay. the first episode I've listened to. Sorry, boys. Oh, excellent. Good. That's a joke. That's why we get you on, just so you can start to follow it. Now, it's been so frustrating, you know, sitting on the sidelines, not being able to do what we love. Uh, how frustrating yeah. has it been for you? Um, I guess you can't put it into words how frustrating it is, not just from a financial point of view, but also from, <laughs> a, I guess, a mental and, and fun point of view because I had a you know, long summer break, didn't do much, spent a lot of time with the family and, you know, recharged the batteries and got, mm. got I guess, to the start of, um, you know, testing in the Adelaide 500 and we're 110% ready to go for the season. And I guess to, for, for no fault of anybody's really for that to be in sort of cut halfway through the... Um, the AGP, it's um, it, it, it's frustrating, but there's nothing you can do about it. So you just need to grin and bear it and chill out, have another beer and wait wait till you get the green light. <laughs> now I'm sitting next to our... What else is there to in COVID? <laughs> that's true, that's true. Now I'm sitting next to our good friend Grant, and uh, it looks like he's had one too many red wines and beer as well. Is Are you in the same boat, or you've, you said you've been doing a little bit of training. What does that look like? Yes. So basically, I've got a um, nice little home gym set up that, due to workload, haven't really had the chance to, to sort of get in and, you know, exercise as much as I would like to. Um, but thanks to this period, you know, it, it forces you to do things. And, and it's been good in a way because I've got getting myself fit again, um, using weights. I've got a bike trainer and, you know, rower and battle ropes and doing all these CrossFit type of um, home exercises. So it's been it's been good to, I guess, expel a bit of energy and and to get fit again. So I think the it's been uh, good, it, being, yeah. you know, having the time off and uh, maybe being a little bit frustrated for me personally, the exercise has been keeping me pretty focused and uh, yes, uh, pushing away some of those blues. So I've found it pretty useful in that way. I've taken to riding uh, on the Zwift trainer. I got myself a secondhand Zwift and I'm really, really enjoying oh, nice. it. So. Uh, it's uh, it's a nice way to keep fit and healthy, and there's no excuses. You you know, I'm not not allowed to go outside to be honest. But uh, even if I was, uh, oh, how come? Oh would, yes, of course. Would. Sorry. <laughs> and it's raining half the yes. time down here. Um, have you got a Zwift uh, trainer, or what have you got? No, I've got an old um, what bike, a first gen that doesn't is not hooked up to any of these sorts of things. Oh, mate. Um, obviously, you can't buy any trainers because they're all sold out. Um, but I, it's something that I would like to do, but. I don't know. I You've don't, got to I don't get on the bandwagon, me, mate. Yeah, I know you say that, but it's, I don't think it would give me extra motivation. Because, it's so good, honestly. Is it? Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah? Yep, yep. Do you, do you think I could beat you? Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> you'd you'd highly enjoy it, I, I guarantee. Now, Yeah, I'm sure I would. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about your job at the track. Uh, you, you're one of those guys that really just gets it when he's taking a photo and uh, all the drivers want to have you taking uh, their photo because you end up coming up with the most outstanding photo, even if you're not like myself, you know, you take a photo of me and you make me look good even. So you, you're pretty That's good on the computer as well. That is true. That is true. What, what are some of the tricks? How do you do it? 
Thank you. That's um, too kind, mate. I guess experience and definitely is a is a big factor. But you have to have the eye. You have to be skilled. Exactly what like you know what, what you do. You need to be a skilled you know driver and and I guess you need an you got to know what looks good and what works. And that comes from you know looking at other photographers' um, work and not necessarily copying trends or anything like that because i think it's important to certainly in, in my profession because it is an art form you need to set your own style and you know pe- then people want to book you because of your style not because you've copied someone else you you, you need to be unique um, and of course the um the computer the editing is, is a huge part of what we do at the moment because you essentially take a raw image and then you which is not a blank canvas but it is a blank canvas when it comes to editing and say the layman would call putting a filter on it it's not a, not just a simple as that you, you know there's a lot more that goes into it and i guess you when you take your photo you, you can see the end product um and see how you you know in your mind how you edit the picture when you before you take it if that kind of makes sense so any australian motorsport fan would be familiar with your work daniel even if they don't exactly know who you are now uh, i tell you you're hard to miss at the track because you're one of the tallest blokes and if um well, if being you. tall isn't the um, the only thing you also have one of the uh, tallest hairdos as well. So, um, but uh, that's that's Thank not you. my point. I just wanted to bring up your hair. Um, <laughs> but not many people would actually know that uh, while you started taking photos of race cars here in Australia, you actually went overseas and you you did a lot of international photography, including the heights of Formula One. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your international experience i think from memory i went for two or three years you uh and you did the entire formula one circus so uh tell us a little bit about that so i guess i was lucky enough to to have a meeting with uh sutton images over in um london or you know northamptonshire and um and then basically i had my first uh tests um working for them not for i guess any money just you know just paying your own way and um that went well and pressed them and then Basically, there was a bit of a funny story because at the time I was obviously living in London um, uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and we, you got to earn a living, and because I wasn't able to make money off, uh, you know, photography is it one has to get another job. So I was working at the local Snappy Snaps, I think it was in in Wimbledon, and I was as their sort of um, in-house uh, photographer, shooting babies and studio manager and all this, which is very odd but anyway i guess you do what you got to do and um of course uh got called up by keith sutton to and basically said oh can you come to bahrain next weekend and photograph your um uh, the grand prix for us and of course i jumped up and down this was like the goal of mine my first ever formula one grand prix i said yep let's have it so um naturally as you do you called up uh, your, your day job sick yep sorry i can't come in i'm sick and whatnot and um, I got a little phone call on the Monday from the owner um, and my boss at the time, basically saying, uh, "Don't come back! Uh, don't come back Tuesday." He said, um, "More or less, I saw you on the grid <laughs> at Grand Prix, so don't worry about coming back. I got the sack. Brilliant!" And then it all started from there. So well worth it. But yeah. I guess spent three years shooting Formula One, and then my last year was with um, LAT Photographic, which is now Motorsport Images. And with that, I guess worked in as the GP2 and the GP3 official photographer. So that was um, pretty cool. So it gave, I guess you gained so much experience you can't buy or get anywhere else that I could bring that pool of knowledge back home and apply that to, 
you know, my clients back here. So it was, it was a pretty amazing opportunity, to be honest. So what brought you back? What brought you back to Australia? My beautiful wife. There you go. <laughs> no other reason like that, for my it. Beautiful wife. Yeah. So no. it was just time to come home and, and, and start my, a family. And my, and my visa. Yeah, the visa were to expire as well, but that was just a byproduct of, I guess, meeting um, Kelly, my wife. So met her in Australia. Uh, no. No. Long story. Long story short. Yeah. Um, we met on Facebook. So there you go. Okay. So no Tinder. I, no Tinder. I poked her on Facebook. <laughs> poked her. Wow, that that is showing your age. Yeah, you, know, you can. Yes, that I, is know, I don't. Your I don't age. think Facebook even has a poke anymore. <laughs> so settled back into Adelaide, and now you got your own little family, a couple of boys. Uh, yes. Any more babies on the way? You got a COVID baby? Absolutely negative, Captain. <laughs> no, 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 no chance. Nah, two two healthy um, boys, and that's um, that's enough. Um, we're done. Yep. I'll hang up the boots. So outside of uh, supercar stuff, you're obviously uh, spend your weekends on the road doing TCR events or ARG events yep. as well. So you, how many weekends during the year would you actually spend on the road? And in a normal year, forget about 2020. Yes. But you must spend a yeah, hell of absolutely. a lot of weekends on the road. Oh, I guess it's probably no different to you boys, but I think last year it was up around... 35 weekends Whoa. thereabout at a um, at a racetrack and then obviously on other weekends of shooting you know football or crickets um back here in adelaide obviously that doesn't consume your whole weekend but essentially you're still working in these sorts of things but yeah it's quite a lot but this year probably about two weekends it's been awesome <laughs> and i can I, <laughs> you're so, you've been so lazy this year i know jesus oh just need to get back up and back into it. Okay, mate. So, uh, like, we appreciate your time here on Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels. But one last question from me. You've uh, obviously got to take photos all around the world at, a, at all of the great racetracks from from Monaco to Queensland Raceway. What is yes. the... What <laughs> is the is really good for pictures. I knew you were going to say that. I know we've spoken about it's this really before. Good. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have brought it up because I know you have a, uh, <laughs> a uh, very public love affair with Queensland Raceway and it's beautiful six it turns. But tell me, what circuit yep. out of any track that you have been to that you find the best, best photos can be uh, sourced from? Oh, uh, that's a tough question because... When you say best photos, do you mean like you, you, your favourite images or then... Uh, the circuit know, that you know yeah. that you'll go there and you know that you're going to get an absolute ripper, doesn't matter what you're shooting, doesn't matter what the weather is, you know that you're going to be able to get something awesome because, it, you know, that's yeah. just a feature of that track. Oh, <laughs> uh, You know what? I'd probably have to say Monaco because... I like street circuits and a lot of other photographers don't necessarily like street circuits because essentially you got to work harder for your pictures and some people don't like doing this and you got to be more creative. But I mean, Monaco's pretty special place. Um, and especially where I guess we can stand as photographers to shoot the fastest, you know, motorsport in, in the world. But I do like that circuit because so many photographers there, so many pictures, but I like just being able to do something different and create something that uh, no one else has created. And then you get back to the press room or, you know, whatever have you, and they see it online and go, oh, where did you shoot that? But, um, yeah, you don't tell them, obviously. Um, 
But um, th- th- I do like it um, there, and I love Adelaide as well. I guess I've got a soft spot for Adelaide being um, my home track and going to the Grand Prix there with my uh, dad when I was younger, and that was what inspired me, to, you know, to to get into get involved in motorsport and photography. So, yeah, th- those two tracks. But in Australia, I mean, how uh, Tony, you would know as well, mm. Phillip Island, absolutely amazing, probably like the best circuit in Australia, one of the best in the world to drive drive on to take pictures to view as a um you know a paying paying um spectator it's just tremendous yeah it's an amazing backdrop obviously with the ocean there one question that i did have just to finish off our uh yeah our little interview here often at bathurst coming down uh over the top of skyline through the dipper i see you hanging off the wall trying to get a photo and i and i actually line the car up and you're my apex for the dipper have you had any hairy moments well, where you think, you know, someone's actually going to take me out here? Um, well, yeah, I, I guess there was, was there was this one time at uh, um, Barbagello, I think the last time when uh, Australian GT were there, and um, I was positioned at the last corner, and um, there's a big concrete, you know, barrier in front of you and a couple of rows of tyres, and I was working with BMW that weekend, and I didn't hear any screech of tires or there was no noise there was nothing to trigger you when you were looking through the lens and totally fixated oh that was jeff emery that actually did that yes correct jeff yes, emery he, so he's he he's badly. gone off the curb and the car's bottomed out yes. and it's just fed him into the fence yeah right and yep. Looped it. Yep. yeah that there was, was a big there one was no it was big and there was no sound or anything like that even though you keep your left eye open you know on the what's happening mm. there was just it was nothing, which was quite bizarre. There's but, been, uh, been some big yeah. ones at Perth. There you go. Some big ones, so. so that that's the well, hairiest moment that you've had. Yes. Okay. Oh, well, the there you go. That, uh, didn't even know. Didn't even know what was going on. I mean, you know, stood on the exit of um, Casino Square at um, at Monaco, and you you literally have to hang out of the barrier to get the picture. Yep. Um, and you're essentially leaning up on the tie wall. Or not the tie wall, sorry, the um, the, the metal um, temporary armco fence, yep. and and each lap the cars brush with the um, the tires, the wall, and you can feel it every lap, bang bang, and I like brush it every time. That was that didn't feel as hairy. That was um, more controlled. All right, now you're showing off, you know, uh, racing at Monaco and all those exotic circuits. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on our little podcast called Parked Up, powered by the Race Fuels, Grant Rowley. Thank our guest. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much. And man, we can't have me on. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. We can't wait to see you in 3D. (laughs) 3D. See, Grant, it's just as risky to be a photographer as a race driver. Uh, Daniel obviously mentioned some of the hairy moments he's had there, but absolutely the best in the business. Whatever he does with the camera and the computer, he comes up with these images that in my opinion, are the best that we have in Australian motorsport. And maybe some of that experience has come from his time overseas in Formula One with some of the best photographers in the world. Yep, yeah. We'll uh, share some of his photos uh, locally and internationally on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast. So anyone who doesn't know exactly who Daniel is, you'll certainly know 
what his photos are uh, are all about, and uh, you would you would have seen them for sure. He shoots uh, supercars, he shoots TCR, S5000, and, and uh, everything. He's every everything for everybody. Um, okay, cool. So they were our two famous guests. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk to someone not quite as famous, but. We're sure they're going to be famous in the future. We spoke to them before they are famous. That's what we really nicely, so succinctly called this <laughs> segment. And for this one, Tony, we've got a young kid called Bradley Maiman. Now he races carts. He's only 11. He's uh, based down here in Vic. He's locked down just like the rest of us. And uh, you're going to grab him for a quick chat. All right, let's get him on. And next we have Bradley Maiman. And this is our segment where we speak to young up-and-coming racers before they were famous, and we've called it, we spoke to them before they were famous. So welcome to the show, Bradley. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure, mate. Now, everyone's obviously been in a bit of lockdown. Tell us a little bit about your COVID story. You haven't been able to go go go-karting or anything like that. Have you just been at home or you've been homeschooled or what's the go? Well, yeah, obviously got put back into lockdown on Thursday for the first and unfortunately we were meant to be racing yesterday. So Ah, that's a shame. That's all right. So I, we've got a simulator at home, which we've been doing lots of practice on, which is keeping me in touch. Ah, very good. What uh, what sim gear do you use? I'll uh, check. I think it's, uh, it's a next level one. Yep, okay. So you, you're pretty handy on the simulator? Uh, not, not bad. I wouldn't say I'm the best in the business. <laughs> now, I've been doing a little bit of sim work myself, but me being a few years older than you, I'm not very good at it. And generally, yeah. I get beaten by all these young blokes. So do you spend lots of hours on it each day? Uh, my own limits me to two. <laughs> <laughs> you only allowed two hours. I love it. Good. Okay, let's let's uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what classes you're racing at the moment. I also want to know what go kart that you use. Okay, so I'm racing in the Cadet Twelve class in Australia, mm-hmm. um, which is ages ten to twelve. Yep. And I'm driving a Parallel Australia kart. Ah, very good, very good. Now you've got one of our good friends, Nick Perkat, uh, as a bit of a mentor for you. How did you meet Nick? Um, so I met him through Jake Spencer, who used to race mm-hmm. Formula Ford. Yep. And I met him at the Australian Cup Championships in 2017 at Geelong, mm-hmm. where we pitted together. So he's sort of taking you under his wing a little bit. How's he helping you? What What have you found uh, having him, him as a mentor? It's really helpful to have such a good driver and someone with so much experience to help me as Nick does and um, I really enjoy the way he helps me like strategize my races and stuff like that and get the better and he helps me with my emotions after races and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's always good to have somebody uh, with all that experience because they've been through all those steps along the way. So make sure you you speak to him as much as you can and drag as much information out of him because that's what he's there for. Now, you did do exactly. a race last year at in Las Vegas. That must have been yes. pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool to go down the main street and look right to the city of <laughs> Las Vegas. Did you spend a week there in the pool after or did you have to go home? 
No, we only got one day afterwards. So we got two <laughs> days before, which was not bad to get over jet lag. <laughs> that would have been good fun. Now, on this little segment, we all, always want to ask what your goals are, where do you want to end up? Most drivers say Formula One, but you might have other goals. What, what are your goals going into the future? Um, yeah, most of my friends say Formula One, but I would prefer either IndyCar or Supercars. Okay, yeah, very good. Have you got uh, plans to start doing some racing overseas or uh, um, you, you're going to stay in Australia for a bit longer? Uh, so we're not quite sure at the moment, but we do have connections to other countries. Okay. Um, we've got Pat Republic in America from our win in Vegas and my connection from Parallel in the European team. Okay. Very good. So, so you might be able to you might be able to get an opportunity over there. That'd be great. Yeah. So um, the doors are wide open. Yeah. Good. 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 Now tell me before we get going, who is your favourite driver? You can't say Nick Perkett, Okay. Out of IndyCar, Formula One, Supercars. Rally, whatever. Who is your favourite? Who is your idol? Um, I like, I like Will Power the way he. Um, I've read his book and it's very cool for me to see his, the way he goes about his races and that sort of stuff. And that made me realise how modest he is and how much of a good person he is. And I thought I wanted to become him. When I grow up, I want to be him on and off track. And, like, it was really good that I was also able to meet him in Las Vegas. Oh, good, good. He's, he's uh, obviously at the top of his game. He recently just got another pole yep. position in IndyCar uh, and got a, yes. a podium on the weekend as well. So he's a good driver to uh, have as yeah. your, your idol. So uh, hopefully if you can... Uh, yeah even achieve half of what he's achieved, you're going to be on the road to a huge amount of success. So, Bradley, thank you so much for coming on our little podcast and uh, we really appreciate uh, your time. Good luck in the future. And uh, like I said before, we spoke to you before you were famous, so don't forget the little guys when you're at the top. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Stay safe. All right. Cheers, Thanks mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, mate. Now, for an 11-year-old, I think he talks pretty good. Like, uh, he's uh, probably talks like most 11-year-olds, <laughs> but, um, yeah. No, he did a great job, and uh, you can sense, by the way, uh, he presents himself. Uh, he loves motorsport. He's either in the go-kart uh, or he's on his simulator practicing. So that's fantastic. It's good to see Nick Perkat getting behind these young guys, and obviously you can see that you know, Brad is the star of the future and he wants to try and help him out and uh, progress his career quicker than what uh, it, it could if uh, Nick wasn't involved. So best of luck to Brad. We really hope that uh, he has a great year when, when it gets going again. We'll keep an eye on it and we'll keep everybody updated. Yep, yep. No, thank you, Bradley, for your time. And we wish him absolutely all the best for when racing gets back underway. Now, before we uh, pack this uh, episode of Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels up, a couple of quick things. So facebook.com forward slash Parked Up Podcast. We've got a, uh, some, some good chat and uh, bits and pieces going on there. So please uh, join the conversation and, um, and let us know your thoughts. Let us know where you think we're doing good or where we're doing really poorly. <laughs> um, we're here for you 
you. Um, now, during this week, we asked some fans what their favourite touring car category was. Supercars, TCR Australia, Touring Car Masters, or Super 2, Super 3. We had some really great answers and a good balance of responses for their love for supercars or TCR or TCM. I've actually used, Tony, you'll like this. I used a, um, a voice generator to recreate some of their responses. So uh, have a listen to this one. TCR for me. Unfortunately, V8 supercars are just way too technical these days. I lost interest when undercuts in pit stops became the way races were won and lost. TCM runs a very close second, John Alford. Now that was a pro TCR. Now let's have a listen to a pro TCM. Each car is different and has different strengths at different tracks. Plus they sound bloody awesome and everyone loves old school muscle. Hide in morale the f- And just to be super balanced, here's a pro supercars comment. My pick is the V8 supercars. They have the passion and the following and they get people talking. Anthony Greeny. So we thank everyone for uh, <laughs> for contributing to that. Um, that I, like I, it. I used uh, some uh, English uh, English and American um, uh, versions. So uh, oh, we've got to keep it discreet. You know, we can't have our <laughs> our supporters exposed. No, there you go. Anyway, uh, we we thank we thank them for that. And we also another thing on Facebook is we uh, our famous giveaways. Mm-hmm. This week we gave away a hat and a sticker pack and. The, uh, the, the, the way to win was you needed to comment by starting with the letter R, how would you describe the 2020 motorsport season? And we had some pretty fruity answers, rubbish, ruined, ridiculous, rooted, rat shit. <laughs> and then here's, here's one response from Richard, radical, redonkulous, righteous, rooted racing raccoons. <laughs> Um, uh, he put a lot of R words in there, not many complimentary, but it hasn't been a really complimentary season, so no worries. But the two that we liked the most were here, Tony D, and you can pick which one you like. Restarting racing responsibly. Yeah. Or rightly ridiculed responding rather reasonably. Nah, I like the restarting racing responsibly. I like that one. Rolls off the tongue nicely. Perfect. Well, there you go. Simon Feigl, you have won. <laughs> you have won the hat and sticker pack. Of course, Simon was actually helping us quite a bit with mm. the ARG Esport Cup. It's been a long time since, well, it feels yeah. like a long time since we've said those words all strung together. But uh, Simon works in the uh, sim racing business um, amongst a whole bunch of other things. Yep. And he is the proud new owner of a race fuels hat he'll actually get to choose if he likes the red one or the black one and uh, he'll also get a little sticker pack as well so i expect to see that on his uh, virtual helmet at some point real soon all right well well done simon grant we're going racing this weekend supercars are back at sydney motorsport park who's your tip uh it's hard to go past either one of three for me, it's Scott McLaughlin, it's Shane Van Gisbergen, or it's our close and personal parked up podcast friend, Jamie Winkup. Um, so really... How dare you? Draw, draw, oh, oh, see, Fabian Colfart. Yeah, Fabian. Come on. We love Fabian. Car 12. Can he, can he do it? What do you reckon? Why not? Why not? He qualified well last time, and I reckon they've ironed out a few little bugs. So, okay. yep, 
I'm so putting it out there. You got the money? The money's on Fabian. I got no money, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club. Okay. Um, okay. So you're saying Fabian? Um, okay. I've got to say Fabian, but in yeah. The, in the spirit, in the spirit of uh, this week's podcast, uh, Jamie, yeah. Jamie will will get it done. And if he can't win the races, then he's just going to finish on the podium and yeah. keep racking points up and trophies as well. Yeah. Where does he keep all those things? Who knows? I don't know. I've never been to his house, so I'm not sure. But uh, my pick for the weekend has got to be out of those three. I reckon Red Bull and DJ are obviously the teams to beat. So I might go a little bit left field. I might pick a wild card mm-hmm. for my uh, tip this weekend. And I'm going to go with Todd Hazelwood. Now, he was on for an, an awesome result last time we are at Sydney Motorsport Park. Had a little mechanical failure late in the race, which stopped him from coming through and getting a podium. I'm not sure if he'll get the win, but I reckon the BJR boys have got a lot of confidence at the moment, and Todd will be pushing really hard to try and get himself that podium that he deserved last time. Yep, and uh, his teammate, of course, Nick Perkat, took the victory, so the BJR team has some form. If I'm to pick a bit of a wild card for this weekend i'm gonna say those two penwright cars mm-hmm. you know might find their way up and and start punching yep. in amongst the shell v powers and the and the red bulls and and uh and cameron waters as well like they'll uh it, it should be quite an interesting interesting weekend but uh if we can get reynolds or anton de pasquale up there then mm. then there's quite a few um well, real Davey, genuine punches davy had a much better sunday uh, last time at Sydney Motorsport Park. So a little bit rusty on the Saturday. But then Sunday came out, I think he finished fourth in the race, fourth or fifth. So that was pretty good considering uh, where he was the day before. So if they can hit the ground running uh, with the car setup-wise, then he should be a factor coming into this weekend. So very much looking forward to it. Everyone's warmed up and ready to go. And I think the gloves will be off this weekend. Uh, not first round after three months of a break. It's uh, championship is on. There we go. It's on, Tony. We are locked down. Yep. And that is the end of episode number 17 of Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels. And we'll be back next week to debrief after another Sydney Motorsport Park event and uh, another Formula One event. It's a huge weekend. Get ready for some couch potatoing. <laughs>